Hi, this is Glenn DeLakian, host of Tandem Radio, The Good News on Business, heard every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Bridge FM or on the web. Thanks for joining us for a special series, Building a Kingdom-Minded Company. Whether you're a business owner or just starting your first job, our desire is that God would influence every part of your life, including your business world. Mark Griffin, president of In His Name HR, which provides human resources consulting for many organizations, brings some fantastic tools on faith and work through his 12-part series on building a company for God's glory. Let's join Mark and host D. Kovac for this segment on Building a Kingdom-Minded Company here at TandemRadio.com. Today, we're talking with Christian business consultant Mark Griffin about his company, In His Name, Human Resources. In His Name, HR, is leading business as a kingdom-minded company. During this 12-part series, Mark gives you the tools to prosper as a kingdom-minded company. Hi, Mark. Welcome again. Hi, Dee. Great to see you. Well, it's always great to see you, too. And today, in this eighth show of our 12-part series, we are going to talk about hiring the best candidates for your company or a kingdom company. Mark, it's said that a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. The same is the true for any business and its weakest employee. So you tell us... What's the approach to hiring the best? Well, I'll tell you one thing, Dee. There's kind of a misnomer right now that with unemployment the way that it is, that hiring shouldn't be a problem. But I come from a different school of thought. I think because of the unemployment, because of uh, our economic conditions, because of the political climate, now more than ever is the most difficult time in the history of our economy to do recruitment. And the reason being is, There are so many people out of work, and there's so many people that are discouraged, they're upset, they have bad attitudes, and they're all out looking for work, and it's really up to the employer and and the companies that I do business with to hire the right people and to sift through all the chaff, so to speak, to find some gems. And I'm excited to talk about how to do that today. Well, you bring up very good points, and that is there is a huge supply of people out there looking to be hired. How could it not be uh, easy to find the person that you need in that huge supply? Well, the reason why it's not easy is because oftentimes when you run an ad, and maybe you run an ad for a supervisor for a manufacturing uh, opportunity for a manufacturing company, you run the ad, and years ago you might have only gotten about 40 or 50 resumes to sort through, and then you go through and you look at the best candidates. Now you run the ad, and you may get 1,200 uh, resumes, and you may get resumes from candidates from all over the world, all over the United States, and even some of the candidates are so desperate for employment they're making statements in, uh, in the response that they're willing to relocate themselves from Wisconsin to move to Pennsylvania for a job, or they're willing to relocate from Miami to Charlotte for a job. So the opportunity to attract so many people's there, so then you come up with a, an incredible volume of resumes that you have to sort through. Well, how do you sort through that many resumes? I mean, that's you're describing the proverbial uh, needle in a haystack, Mark. You're exactly right, but what I find is companies 
that develop the right human resource procedures and programs and processes, especially processes and programs around their hiring uh, process, are companies that are going to do very well and be able to sift through all the resumes and, and all the applicants quicker and in a much better fashion than companies that don't have a process. So this actually goes back to the HR practices that we spoke of in the last segment. That's a part of the hiring process also, isn't it? Yes, it is. It exactly goes back to that, D. because what I find is the companies that struggle with recruitment really don't have a good job description in place. They really don't even know what they're hiring for, what the requirements of the job are, uh, should the person have a degree? Should they not have a degree? Should they have tech experience, non-tech experience? Do they need 10 years of experience or five years of experience? Your job description really is the foundation of your recruitment process. Without a job description, how could you possibly go hire somebody if you don't know what the requirements are? I've seen all kinds of job uh, descriptions, and uh, there are good ones and there are bad ones. Uh, you tell me, from your perspective, from HR, what are the good ones and what are the bad ones? The, the best job description is the job description that is written with an employee input. Of course, leadership management guides the process, but if I wrote a job description and just gave it to an employee and told him this is what you're going to do, it would be, it'd be silly because... Nobody knows the job any better than the employees. I often find when I go into organizations and we start with a job description program and we come up with guidelines and we put some scripts together for employees and they start reviewing it, the managers often get the jobs wrong. The employees change the job descriptions and better explain what's required for the job, but the leaders thought they knew what the employees were doing. They were off base. Well, I, in my opinion, the things that I've seen professionally are those job descriptions that include everything from soup to nuts that might need to be done under the sun and the sky that day. Somebody has written down and said, this is the job description, and those are very hard to work with. Uh, and, uh, you know, some people are afraid they're not going to cover all their bases. What do they have to cover in a job description, and what's the most important thing to remember? Well, the most important thing is the actual objective or number one goal of the position should always be first on on the job description itself. It should define what it is that the employee needs to be doing every day and why they come to work. Many times companies just miss out on that. They start going into essential duties or essential functions or essential education. But the first thing that I coached, leaders to put into is what's the main goal and objective for the employee in the job? Is it to to drive and manage the customer service department? If it's a supervisor of customer service, I would think so, to provide leadership in delivering world-class um, customer service uh, to the customers through employees. But many, many times companies uh, miss out on defining what the number one uh, objective is. I know myself, I've been in organizations where the job descriptions were redesigned using the employees as input, and they were put into a, an organizational structure as being the most important 
at the highest level, and the employees were even told this will make up this percentage of your position so that each employee knew that when it came in performance evaluation time, what areas were mission critical and what they had to do. That's correct, Dee. And and the other thing with the job description is they should be shared, uh, perhaps on a local area network. All the work that I do through my consulting firm, I I, I really get the owners or, or the executives of the company to put the documents out on a shared drive where employees can see the documents, whether it's an application for employment, training programs, whatever it is. But all the job descriptions as well as the organizational charts should be shared out on that shared drive. That way coworkers of that employee can understand what it is that their coworkers are doing. It's wonderful career opportunity, career development for people in an organization to look at different job descriptions and work out a plan to evolve into greater levels of responsibilities based on those job descriptions. The other thing that's important about the job descriptions and as it, as it relates to the hiring process or uh, hiring the best people is handing an applicant a job description really helps out that applicant really kind of preview what it's like to work for the organization. It helps the applicant articulate their experience and their abilities to what the company's looking for. I really ask companies to share the job descriptions with all the applicants. They shouldn't hide them. They should say, Hey, here's the job description. Here's what's, in t- uh, here's what's encompassed in the job. The job description also talks about the mission, vision, values, which we talked about in earlier shows. It also uh, talks about that goal and objective that the candidate needs to uh, focus on. Great. Well, uh, you know, we've talked about the job description. We've defined what it is we're looking for when we're hiring. Uh, My goodness, the changes in technology and the places we meet people, where do you find the best candidate? The best way to find candidates is to be networked into the communities in which you do business in. That's something that takes some time. It takes some investment. Uh, but your HR folks really need to be dialed in and tuned into the local business groups, local churches, local ministries as much as they can. When you have, when, when you have a position that's open, and you advertise that position in a local newspaper, that's not necessarily to get resumes to that email box. That's to tell the community that your fine organization is hiring and that those the people in the community that know you and know the executives at that company should be referring good people into the organization. It's not designed. Many people think it's just designed to reach people that are out of work that you don't know. But the best way and the best candidates to find are all people within your network because they know your company, you know them, and there's already trust being started to be developed. When somebody is looking for a candidate, though, and they, you know, talk with their colleagues, their associates, uh, and even their social, within their social network in the community or, or wherever, um, the people who somebody might recommend somebody and they say, I've got a person. Why do I need to advertise after I've already had a pretty good recommendation from somebody that I value? You don't necessarily ever have to advertise. There, there's no requirement uh, by law or by any employment 
group that says you have to advertise positions. Uh, advertising the positions just simply to, to, to increase your pool, to see what talent's out there, it also gives you the opportunity to meet other people that you might bring into the organization for other roles. Sometimes people apply for jobs, and they'd be better suited in a different department. So it gives you, the employer, the opportunity to entertain looking at other candidates. Uh, when I talk about networking, it's not just networking for the manager that's doing the hiring or the HR manager that's doing the hiring, but for really good, high-performing organizations – it's when everybody in the company finds out that there's a customer service rep position available in that company, and everybody in that company says, hey, you know what, I'm going to go help and try to find the best customer service rep in my realm, in my area that I can, and they go out and they look for candidates as well. And the way in which that works oftentimes is you put a nice bonus program in place that says if you refer a candidate and the candidate does really well, after 90 days, you'd get a couple hundred dollars. After six months, you get a couple hundred dollars. And after a year, you get a couple hundred dollars. That kind of helps employees say, wow, I can make quite a bit of money referring in the right candidate that's going to fit within this organization because hiring can cost companies thousands of dollars. So it's not just about you yourself, but the entire organization being a part of the search, if you will. Absolutely. Wouldn't we all want to work for a company that we love the company so much that we would want people in our families and in our community to work there? You know, I, I, I often coached uh, leaders to manage their people in a way that they would want their husband or their wife to work in that same organization. So if you're making decisions as a leader that you wouldn't make, to your husband or your wife or somebody that you love or care about, your daughters or sons, then that decision probably needs to be reevaluated. So it's the same way with surrounding yourself by, with great employees and great coworkers, is trust the people within the organization to bring you the right folks. Cast a wide net. Yes. Very good. Well, then once we have the uh, net cast, the interview. Yes. What are we looking for when we are making the contact with the candidates we wish to interview? The most important thing that I advise organizations to do is to be consistent in the format in which they interview candidates. From a legal perspective, from the time that candidate arrives in the lobby till the time they leave, you have a legal obligation to treat them fair, consistently, and within all the employment obligation laws that are out there. So a good structured interview sheet is paramount to success. Having good, sound training to anybody that's going to have contact with that candidate is very, very important. The training should include what can you ask, what can't you ask. It, it should cover, you know, the purpose of the interview, how to get ready for the interview, because Let's let's remember that that candidate, even if we don't select them as a candidate to join our company, they also could be a potential customer of ours. So let's treat them with dignity and respect because they may want to buy our products at some time as well. So you have a variety of things that I just covered, the legal aspect, being consistent, but also treating the candidate as a customer as well. And what about when you have candidates – you're a kingdom-minded company, and that being said, you're a Christian company. So when you have candidates who are not Christians, 
are you eliminating or you're putting yourself in a position of discriminating based no, on their religion? No, a- a- absolutely not. In fact, religion or questions about someone's uh, spirituality would just never, ever be asked. That's inappropriate. It's not something uh, that should be brought up with a candidate. Uh, what can be asked in a consistent way is we have a mission, vision, and value of the organization and you give the candidate a copy of the mission, vision, and value, and you say, this is how we strive to operate. We try to strive to operate within these values. This is our mission. This is our, our, our vision. How do you see yourself fitting in an organization that embraces this? If there's difficulty with that candidate, they're going to say they have difficulty or they're just not going to be interested because of what your mission, vision, value states. But I can tell you, most of the time, in my experience, and I've done this with hundreds of candidates in a variety of different organizations, most candidates light up, and I've had candidates say, hey, you know what, I'm not a Christian, I'm not a Christ follower, I don't really believe in the Bible either, but I want to work for a company like yours. It sounds like you're on the up and up. You're trying to do the right things, and it says in your mission, vision, values that you make mistakes and you own up to it. I think that's pretty cool. And wouldn't that be great if we have a candidate like that and they own up to that, that they want to work for an organization like ours, and then we hire them and bring them on board. What what a better way to bring somebody in. So we're not eliminating anybody. We don't want everybody to be just like us. We, we would suffer. We wouldn't do very well then. Uh, we want to embrace everybody. Well, you know, a lot of times the uh, hiring uh, process goes through, especially at professional levels where we are, um, we see somebody who is exemplary in their position and we would love to recruit them to be a part of our company if they're not happy, if they're open to it. But there's a part of that that feels a little bit underhanded or we're stealing sheep, you know, from the flock, from somebody else's flock. As a Christian business owner, how do I handle that where I'm, you know, am I guilty of a sin here? I don't necessarily think you are guilty of a sin. I think you need to pray about who you're selecting, why you're selecting them, and what under what premise. You certainly don't want to recruit somebody to put somebody else under. That would be underhanded. That would be wrong. I've run into that be, uh, before, quite frankly. Uh, but if it's to prosper your organization, they have the right skills no company can guarantee an employee a job for the rest of their life. If you're interviewing them and you're bringing them on board, the company that's losing them can't guarantee them. All employees have free will and can make their own decisions. Bottom line is it's what's in your heart. Yes. Thank you, Mark, and thank you for listening. In our next show, Mark Riven of In His Name Human Resources will describe how to manage employees to their potential within your kingdom company. You've been listening to Mark Griffin of In His Name HR at Tandem Radio, the good news on business. Be sure to check out some of Mark's other segments at www.tandemradio.com. That's tandemradio.com. You can find out more about Mark and In His Name HR, as well as other shows and videos on our website. Also, be sure to tune in every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Bridge FM or the web. Thanks again for joining us for the good news on business.